Hello, world, and welcome to StackCast, your go-to source for all things related to cloud security and cybersecurity compliance. I'm your host, Martin Rieger, and I'm thrilled to embark on this journey with you as we navigate the ever-changing landscape of cloud technology and cybersecurity. In a world where our reliance on digital technology is an all-time high, the need for secure and compliant data practices through states and federal government has never been more crucial. So buckle up and join us for this exciting journey as we delve into the world of federal cloud security and cybersecurity compliance. We hope to make this podcast not only informative, but engaging and interactive. So we encourage you to share your thoughts, questions, and experiences. And who knows, you might be featured in one of our future episodes. Thank you for tuning in to StackCast. We can't wait to embark on this enlightening journey with you. Let's discover, design, and deploy our digital future together. All right. Hello, world, and welcome to the next episode of StackCast, your go-to source for all things related to cloud security and cybersecurity compliance. I'm your host, Martin Rieger, and I'm thrilled to embark on this journey with you as we navigate the ever-changing landscape of cloud technology and cybersecurity. Today, we're privileged to have a special guest, uh, Evgeny Jervis from SafeLogic. He is the CEO, and they are a leading company specializing in FIPS 140 validation services. Evgeny, welcome to StackCast. Thanks, Martin. Great to be with you today. Thanks for having me. So for today's discussion, what we'd really like to talk about is an important aspect of cybersecurity for businesses, especially those dealing with the United States government and, and any other entity that requires cryptographic software validation. And for those out there, that, that's known as FIPS 1-40 or FIPS-140. Um, it's a topic that's been making waves due to recent changes a year ago, um, but also before we even dig even deeper, can can you kind of explain to the audience what FIPS-140 uh, really is? Absolutely, yeah. So FIPS uh, stands for uh, Federal Information Processing Standard. Uh, it's a NIST standard that has been widely adopted um, you know, by the public sector. Uh, and basically what the government wants to make sure is that if you're providing um, any solutions, right, software, um, you know, where, you know, encryption is used, they want to make sure that the encryption that's used has been validated um, and is compliant with FIPS 140 uh, standard, you know, because without that, they don't really know if somebody just woke up one day and decided to implement something they call cryptography. So unless it's FIPS 140 validated, for the purposes of the government, they consider it to be no stronger than plain text. So it's really a standard that you have to meet if you're going to sell to the uh, public sector. And it's really became a a key requirement for various things out there, like, you know, whether it's FedRAMP, common criteria, CMMC, DOD, APL, state ramp, and others, where you really have to make sure that you are protecting your data at rest and in transit with FIPS 140 validated cryptography. I see. So, so in, in your, in your words, it, it's, it's kind of a must have certification for those that want to break into government sector. Exactly right. It really sort of becomes table stakes to be able to show that you are protecting uh, government uh, data with you know FIPS one forty um, you know validated um, cryptographic implementations. So outside of the U.S., are there are there other countries that rely on this? 
Um, absolutely. I mean, it, it is sort of becoming a, a, you know, a de facto thing that people gravitate to, you know, for instance, uh, you know, in Europe, you know, there are currently discussions about whether, you know, they want to have their own Euro European standards, you know, Spain has kind of been making some waves in that area. Um, so nobody really has the crystal ball, but the chances are there's going to be very little reason to reinvent the wheel. So right now, FIPS 140 is widely adopted by US and also Canada. Uh, it's also actually, you know, NIST and the, the counterpart of NIST in, in Canada have been very closely kind of aligned working on that. But other countries have been gravitating towards it because, quite frankly, uh, it's 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 complicated stuff and there's just no reason to um, uh, reinvent the wheel. I mean, encryption in the U.S. is no different than encryption in Europe. So why really do something different? That makes sense. So, you know, the process of FIPS validation, right, and and um what safe logic uh, supports customers with as as we dip deeper into this it, it could take as little as say a couple months or even a couple of years um can you give just a little bit of insight into why this time variation can be in, in some cases six to eight weeks for folks and then for others one to two years absolutely you know the traditional approach to achieving FIPS 140 validation is is a pretty extensive process. It's not really for the faint of heart, you know, for sure. So typically, you would have to go and get some consultants that specialize in FIPS 140 because most organizations don't have a lot of internal expertise around the standard. And the consultants, you know, would help you to, uh, you know, prepare your module, to prepare the documentation for testing. Then you would need to go contract with a lab. There's about a dozen labs across U.S. and Canada have been accredited to do this. And you'll be working with a lab, you know, for three, four, maybe more uh, months, depending on your situation, uh, right, to really kind of get yourself ready to submit to NIST. And then after the lab blesses what you have, the submission goes to uh, what's called NIST CMVP, which stands for Cryptographic Module Validation Program. And there you can be going for a year, year and a half, two years. It really depends on how good your submission was, but it also really depends on how uh, backed up, you know, NIST CMVP is, because a lot of this testing there, it's manual, it requires expertise, and there's only so much capacity that's available. So uh, the timing can really be somewhat unpredictable, but the traditional approach uh, is a year and a half plus. Certainly right now, if you were to submit the validation, you're probably looking at two plus years, most likely, you know, before you kind of see your validation take place. Um, that's the traditional approach, you know, safe logic, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, a decade ago has actually uh, came up with, um, you know, uh, I would say in some way revolutionized the FIPS industry and came up with a more accelerated approach. And the reality is what we realized at the time, and, you know, safe logic started as a consulting company. So we're actually taking people through this journey, A to Z, as we were just describing. But what we realized is, look, we were doing the same things over and over again, and it just did not make sense to do that. So the so the the big idea at the time was why not have uh, you know a library of modules that have already been previously validated with NIST. So we have modules we call it you know crypto comply, and we have modules that are essentially drop in replacement for popular open source packages that really will work within your know, technology stacks with your languages. Something that you can easily drop and replace. And as soon as you do, you're immediately what we call FIPS 140 compliant, meaning that you're using a module that's been FIPS 140 validated. Uh, we take it a step further, though. We have a process called rapid cert, where we actually then work with NIST 
we work with labs and the NIST to get you certification in your own name. And because we go through a different queue, and the reason we go through a different queue is because you know your certification will be based off safe logics, we can actually get you a certificate in eight weeks as opposed to you having to go through a two-year process. So in, in, in eight weeks, you'll have your FIPS 140 validate module have your own certification, which actually makes your FIPS 140 validated, which is a higher bar, which actually means that your customers, a procurement officer, you know, can go to a NIST website, CMVP, and they can actually find your certificate in your company's name. So that's a big deal. And then what we'll also then do is we'll continue to maintain not just your software that you get from us, but also your certification over time, and that's something we call maintain cert. And that is a very important thing because, uh, you know, when you get the certification, uh, you know, you may be, you know, celebrating and you think you're good. You know, sometimes certificates can say, you know, you're good for five years. But the reality is what happens in practice is that um, uh, because the adversaries, the bad guys are not standing still uh, and the crypto analytic techniques continue to improve. NIST has to continue to evolve the FIP standard to align with, with that. So there's constant changes around allowed algorithms, key sizes, and so forth. So somebody has to actively keep validating that module and maintaining that module to make sure that it stays uh, compliant with the latest version of the standard. Uh, because if, 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 if you don't, uh, your module, maybe in as little as six months, can go historical from being active. And that's going to be not a good place because you can no longer pursue new opportunities with a historic module. So with our maintained cert service, you would actually be uh, getting that uh, maintenance, not just of the software, but of the certification. So you don't have to work with labs. You don't have to work with NIST. You don't have to work with consultants. We'll get you that certification and maintain it for you over time in a very wide glove fashion. So, so those are kind of the different paths you can go. Uh, but hopefully that answers your question, Martin. I think it does. And, and that's fantastic. So basically after validation, um, you guys also ensure that the certificate remains active uh, up until the point of its expiration. And I believe they're, they're valid for what, up to five years. Is that, is that, is yeah, that right? Yeah, up to five years. I mean, right now, obviously you have also the transition from 140-2 to 140-3, which, you know, if you're a safe logic customer, we'll just take care of that, you know, for you as part of that maintained cert, you know, service that we talked about, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the theoretical expiration of the certificates uh, can vary, but again, the the actual life cycle of the certificate will depend on how well you're going to be maintaining your module and certification, right? So, okay, so you know, with, within the CMVP website, I, I, users uh, and and those developing and designing and, and building solutions for the government can can see what's in process versus things that have been say historically retired or sunset or, or maybe their their certificate expired right Correct. Um, Correct. i think we've we've covered you know really the the process around um taking you know somebody's existing cryptography algorithms and modules through what advice or or how would you describe um from a consulting standpoint the way you you help customers who are dependent upon someone else's cryptography. For example, they're leveraging an operating system and it's using uh, open source components and or um, maybe like like OpenSSL, for example, or things like that, um, where it's no longer within their control 
right? It, it's not yeah. their cryptography. They're leveraging someone else's. Do you provide assistance um, with the, within the libraries for folks like that who have dependencies on another vendor? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, this is kind of where you have that difference a little bit between FIPS 140 compliant and validated, right? So you can claim compliance uh, if you are, like you said, if you're using somebody else's library, whether it's OpenSSL or other sources that has gone through validation, you may not have certification in your own name, but, you know, as long as that library that you're leveraging, as long as it itself remains, you know, validated, you know, you can claim compliance kind of by extension. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, it may seem like almost like uh, you're getting like a free lunch, right? You're kind of like getting to, you know, uh, build on top of what maybe your operating system vendor is doing and just kind of your compliance story is basically based on what they're doing. I mean, there are, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, several problems, you know, with that. You know, the the, the first one is uh, a lot of the time when you go through a procurement process, uh, the procurement officer might actually want to see certification in your name, with your product name, with your module name, with your operating systems, because that original module was tested in some other environment, you know, for somebody that may not be your environment. So, for instance, as an example, common criteria, a lot of the time requires you to have testing on your specific operating systems, your operating environment. So just relying on somebody else's module without, you know, that sort of, uh, uh, you know, customization and testing in your environment is not going to be sufficient. Uh, perhaps there's even a larger problem. And the larger problem is that you really have no control uh, in most cases over what the third party does, right? So for instance, you know, we um, just, um, you know, I talked to a lot of customers who were, you know, users of CentOS 7 or Red Hat 7. And, you know, Red Hat made the business decision that they were just kind of going to move on, right? They're not going to maintain those older modules because they want people to migrate. And what happens is, you know, folks that had their compliance story dependent on those modules, that, that compliance story just overnight, right, went away, right? And so the problem is, you know, if you're trying to close business in the public sector or keep your business and your compliance story is based on what a third party may do and that really doesn't really have any obligation to you, right, you may find yourself, uh, you know, lacking the compliance story at possibly a very bad time for you from your, you know, from a point of view of trying to close deals or whatnot, right? So, and, and you know, and like you said, like we said before, somebody will constantly have to do this work to maintain this module because of all these changes, security vulnerabilities get discovered. So it's a non-trivial amount of work. So what we recommend is we always advise that, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have, an, you know, your relationship with a vendor where there's really that, um, you know, essentially they are uh, under contract to maintain the module that they are providing to you. And ideally are also, um, you know, uh, helping you achieve that certification in your own name so that you're actually validated, not just uh, compliant. Well, this really sounds like a complete package um, and a solution that I, I wish I had met you guys 10 years ago. Um, after the last 10 years of, of taking companies through FedRAMP, both uh, advisory as a consultant and our own products, um, having a solution like SafeLogic really, really would have uh, absolutely sped things along for us. So um, I want to tell you, this has been incredibly informative. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will find this information extremely valuable. Um, so I definitely appreciate that. Um, so 
It's indeed been a pleasure uh, for our listeners. I want you to explore more about uh, FIPS 140 validation and how it can benefit your business. Um, if you're interested in learning more, please check out SafeLogic's website at www.safelogic.com, all one word. Uh, Evgeny, thank you for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 